Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. From Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. A breezy cool Thursday. I mean, it is not uh, terribly cold, but it is definitely breezy. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're, if you're going to be out, you're, you'll, you'll need some kind of uh, windbreaker, if you will. But, but yeah, a nice looking Thursday afternoon. And we're here uh, and love to love for you to join in as we move along towards six o'clock tonight on the Thursday drive. Right now, it's Bill and Drew here in the studio. Uh, Dan should be joining us. And uh, I'm not really sure the, uh, the status of Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Uh, we will, I guess we will find out as we move on. But we've got a lot to talk about. We can talk about basketball last night up in Huntsville. Concerns about this being a trap game. It looked like that was the case early on. If you could, if you could follow the ball game with all the other stuff that was going on. Now, look, I, I'm not going to blame the guys because they were they were asked to do this, offered to do that uh, Manning cast type broadcast, which is a whole lot more difficult in basketball. I mean, in basketball, there's just more action. I mean, there's not a break like in between plays. And then with the never-ending parade of guests that they had, and then the shots that you had felt like from, you know, from the uh, rafters of, the Von Braun Center, it was a little difficult to keep up with with exactly what was going on. But, I mean, uh, Auburn made uh, – they they brought in the uh, brought in the subs that had really spurred them over in Atlanta against Indiana. And uh, Auburn down 21-19 um, about eight or nine minutes in. I guess it was, it was approaching – no, it was actually it was past the midway part, midway point of the first half because I looked up and was thinking, yeah, we're on pace of a game that's only going to be in the seventies for both teams um, because they hardly were ever saying anything about the score, scorers, or anything like that. Um, Auburn went from down twenty one nineteen to up thirty nine twenty four. Went on a nineteen to three run and. Uh, I guess no, it was a twenty to three run. As a matter of fact, is what it was, <clears throat> and and then cruised basically from that point on. Uh, it was a it was an odd game when you look at the box. I mean, it was an odd game in more ways than one. Like I said, from the from the broadcast to um, to, to the box, I I I noticed and it held up at the end of the game. Auburn had ten players. Let me double check that three five seven eight ten players. With six or more points, as a matter of fact, eleven. The eleven players that they play um, all scored at least five points, but only two players in double figures. When was the last time 
you saw a team win by 25 points, scoring 87 points, and only have two players in double figures. Uh, well, that's what happened last night. Trey Donaldson with 15, Chad Baker Mazzara with 11. Trey continues his his really good play of late as um, he he was goes six of eight from the floor. The only two misses he had were threes last night, three or four at the free throw line. Um, Auburn with a uh, another good game assist wise, 19 assists. Although that's below their their average, Auburn had been coming in averaging better than two out of every three buckets being assisted. Last night it was um, a little under sixty percent. Is nineteen assists on thirty four made baskets. Auburn got up to a slow start shooting threes. They end up going seven of twenty one last night, but uh, but again, a, a unbelievable balance when you have eight. Other players, when you only have two and double figures, but eight others with uh, between six and nine points. So Auburn goes to seven and two with a win last night over UNC Asheville. And uh, now they will take on Southern Cal in a game where probably as tough a ticket as I can ever recall in the, in the Neville slash Auburn arena for a non-conference game. And uh, that one, of course, coming up Sunday at noon. I mean, I know I know a lot of people that are looking. I don't know a lot of people that have you what, know, what tickets would, that are available. What would be at the top of the list of like the toughest tickets in conference? I'm trying, or just in general. Well, see, I, I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky, Alabama, Bama, yeah. Tennessee. Those those have been. Mm. The uh, the toughest ones. I guess. I mean, there was that Washington game, but I don't know how much Washington travels as a program. Nothing. Nothing like this. They were in the top twenty-five, but they didn't have the star power, you know, attached to to the USC name. And and Bronny James, of course, adds a factor that's different than just about anything else in college basketball. There's no question. There's no question in my mind. A lot of people want tickets just in case LeBron is here. I know some people that could care less about the ball game. They just want to see LeBron. I'll tell you what. If he, it's if he sort sh- of like it's sort of like the the uh, Taylor Swift, the, the Swifties that sure. are now following the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, if you're only there, uh, you know, in case LeBron James shows up, I mean, you know, what, whatever. But I will, I will, I will beg if he if he's there, please be cool and just let him enjoy watching his son play college basketball. It's you know, not. You, a, it's you, not. You a, know that's going to happen. It's not an autograph signing. It's not a, a meet and greet. I will just. I will be extremely disheartened if. LeBron James goes to Neville Arena and there is a you know a throng of people waiting one after the other to get a selfie with him or something. It's just like let the guy extremely disheartened or disheartened because be prepared to be disheartened. Well, it's just, you know what I mean? Like let the guy <laughs> I mean he's he's getting to watch yeah. his son play college basketball. Like let him let let him enjoy the moment without without being uh, you know, without without needing to fulfill your your selfish need to get a picture with him. Uh, yeah, we will in, see in a public place too. Yeah, we'll you, see. I mean, if you pay if you pay for a picture with LeBron James, that's one thing. But like at a at a public place, like let him you know leave him alone. Like it's you know it's like it's like he want like he's eating dinner or something. Like you know just let him but let him let him enjoy the game. I don't know. Well, we we will see. Maybe I'm um, jaded about all these all right, things. All right, so Scott, so Scott was telling me today. He was asking, did we know of anybody that had an extra ticket? Because I had put the 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 plea in to the dean over at the dean's luncheon the other day when he was saying that you know he if if he was hosting some um, potential donors or something like that he usually didn't sit in his seats and I went well 
if you don't sit in your seats, then I, I, I know some folks that are very, very interested, would be my two sons, that would be very interested in those tickets. Well, he emailed me back today and said, Sorry, pal. Yeah. Uh, donors are already taking those scholarship seats. I'll be sitting in those seats. His seats, by the way, are right right in front of ours. Um, but uh, so, so he didn't have – but anyway, so Scott was telling me that, yes, he came across – he knew someone that had two tickets today. Well, he had had two tickets earlier today. You know, the standing room prices – Sold those. These are seated tickets. You know how much you got for the pair? I'm thinking how good are the seats. Uh, they are between, the lo- between lower level, okay. Uh, lower level near mid court. I'm gonna say he got 400 cash for the. He got uh, 460 a piece. Okay. Whoa. Piece. Whoa. Okay. I was thinking he. Yeah. I was, okay. Lower yeah. level. I was. I Nine twenty for a pair. Wow. Okay. I mean, standing room. Standing room is approaching a hundred bucks on yep. some of the on some of the third party. Uh, you know, on, on the the not the scalper sites, but you know what I mean, like the the, the, yeah, the ticket the, brokers, right? Um, and, and I think there are some upper level seats where you could maybe get in for a hundred to a hundred and hundred and fifty. Yeah, I saw one person said they had a single today. It was on the top row in the upper level, and they were asking one seventy five. Curious to see if that number, those numbers, go up or down as the game gets. Uh, they as, usually as the game go gets closer. down. Yeah, I think if you if you hold on, if you really want to go and you're willing to buy a standing room ticket, get there, get there early. Well, well no, I I think there's a chance. But by, I mean, get there early and just wait. Well, you could do Don't that. Be in a hurry. You could do that too. I think there's a chance that if you're willing to pay a hundred bucks for a standing room only ticket, that that number could the market could meet your price by the by the end of the week. Um, imagine we're saying that about Auburn basketball too, right? I know. I mean, I know. No kidding. I mean, not to be like back in my day about it, but. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago that you could go to Beard Eves Coliseum. Go sit and, wherever you wanted. And if you were a student. You could sit, ex- absolutely sit. Five minutes before tip. Right behind the bench. Yeah, I mean, wanted, as, speaking. Right behind the scores. Speaking bench. from experience, like, I never bothered doing the show with you when I was an undergrad, Bill. I never bothered to apply for credentials for men's or women's basketball. No, because you'd have a seat right there. You'd sit right behind yeah. press row they and knew, talk to everybody they, on press they knew, row. They knew who I was anyway. I mean, if I yeah. wanted to go to the press conference and stuff and, and ask, you know, Jeff Lebo questions, I could. But, no, I mean, it was uh, – yeah, I mean, it's it's remarkable. And, and, yeah, Bruce Pearl deserves the lion's share of the credit for, for turning uh, Auburn basketball games, even when the students are gone and it's a non-conference game against a team that won't be in the top 25, right? Like no, we're, t- we're talking no, about now. This is a team that very well, I mean, it's still a dangerous team. They, they have a lot of talent and you know, it's not like football and they're out of the playoff picture or anything right now. Uh, they, if they could get a win over Auburn, who probably will be ranked next week. Yeah. If, if they win, if they get a win over Auburn and uh, get things going, I mean, hey, this is a talented USC team that fully expects to still be able to make the postseason. And and what you want to do in basketball is you want to peak at the right time. It's still early, very early. And you see a lot of teams that lose to um, less talented teams early in the season. But if you can put things together at the right time coming down the stretch, you can still make a deep, deep run. Right, yeah, and right, and the Pac-12 is open enough that I think if USC were to uh, were, were to pick up, I mean, the win over Auburn would be huge for their for their tournament resume, but mm-hmm. they'll they'll have chances to to pick up some wins that that affect their profile when the uh, when, when conference play rolls around too. But no, this is a, these, these are two these are two as much as I hate the term because people apply it however they want it to you know to to mean whatever they want it to mean. 
Um, I, I think these are two underrated teams in that like, they're not. Neither of them are in the top twenty-five. Um, Auburn is just outside in the most recent rankings, but they're they're both teams that probably should be. Uh, if if you were to go based on ability and and just overall roster strength, like these are two of the twenty-five best teams. I know USC has some losses that would uh, th- that would fly in the face of of how great they are, but no, I, I think this is a uh, uh, yeah. Th- these are these are two teams I would expect to see in the postseason, uh, even, even though they're not currently in the in, in, in the polls. We'll talk more about the uh, well that matchup and and last night. Uh, quickly, I, I'd like to get your thoughts. Did you watch any last night? I did watch the game last night. What I watched you, it again. What, what, did, what did you think? You know, I think everybody wants to do the Manning cast yeah. now, and I, I don't know I that it works so well in basketball. Yeah, no, and I, and I could have done without the split screens when they had uh, the celebrity yeah. when they had the celebrity guests because you're then you're you're getting. M- Barely over fifty percent of the screen is on the game. Yeah, like if it's a if it's a game where you're gonna you're gonna have zoomed in camera angles and switch cameras like an ESPN. I couldn't national tell broadcast, who was in there some of the time, and I had no idea until I pulled up the stats online and tried to follow along there with who had scored the most, how things were going, the numbers. So I'm, because I'm, they didn't have they didn't have time for that with all their guests. Is that arena? Is that where they do UNA uh, men's and women's basketball? I would I would think the answer to that question. I'm not sure. I'm uh, not really sure if, if North Alabama plays there or not. But but a lot of a lot of mid major basketball that you watch on ESPN Plus looked like that broadcast where it's one camera, one or two announcers. Maybe you get a sideline reporter. Uh, but it's it's largely you know it's it's a uh, a fairly uh, you know it's it's a, a bit of a garage band sort of thing. It still works in in the sense that if you have a, a you know as as you know from experience, Bill, it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take uh, rocket science technology necessarily to do. Oh, a, that, to, that was a nice one to do a basketball broadcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but but it's uh, no. Uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, UNA has its own arena, as does UAH. Okay, so. and as does uh, I, I don't think Alabama A and M uh, play, plays there either. Also in the in, in the Huntsville, uh, mm-hmm. the gen- general Huntsville area. But no, so I, I thought it was a it was an interesting attempt. Yeah. At, at something different. I would have preferred something as an Auburn fan. Here's the thing, that that works better if you're attracting people who aren't fans of either of either team. team. You're absolutely right. That would have been. But, that but on been ES, but on ESPN Plus. <laughs> The only people watching are fans. Are fans of one of the yes. two teams, and I think a broadcast that spends a little bit more time focused on the game, you know, does does more of. So I don't know how much of that is maybe the city of Huntsville wanted. Oh, that's various, exactly what it was. Various things the promoted. The city of Huntsville wanted to pr- really, really promote Huntsville and all of its attractions and have most of its dignitaries there. Spending some time talking. So. I just think some of that. It would be tough, man. It'd be tough if you and I and somebody else were sent out to do a broadcast, and there were just person after person yeah. after person brought in to talk. It's hard. It's hard to get much in about the ball game. Sure, and and you know, I guess they, you know, they sort of made it more of a podcast atmosphere right. than a play by play atmosphere. Well, that's, which that's their gig now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily for me, and and uh, no. but I and I can understand why folks who really wanted uh really wanted game analysis it would have bothered me a whole lot more if it had been a tight game i mean the thing sure. is with 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 sure. auburn when when auburn went on that 20 to 3 run and there was no question they were going to win they were going to win big 
it, it, it didn't bother me as much. Then, then I almost listened at, at times yeah, and to I, some, and of the, some of the stuff they were saying. And I like the next round enough. Yeah, like, I'm not, I, I want to be very they're, gen- they're entertaining guys. Yeah, I, I had no problem with the performance of any of the three guys last night. I think the question would be more, like, is a, a podcast-style atmosphere <laughs> with a bunch of guests, was that the right call for a... Well, well, maybe that's the time that you try it. Yeah. You try it in a game like that, and you go, well, maybe not. No, and it's, uh, and it's, it's an interesting it's better way. than trying it in a game where people really want to hone in on exactly what's going on, who's doing what, and it's a tight ball if game. If the city paid for the game as a tourism deal mm-hmm. or as a way to promote, I believe that's it, what you know. Happened. It seemed like one thing that was coming up a lot was employment in, yes. in Huntsville. If it was a way to attract uh, prospective uh, workers to choose Huntsville as a place to uh, uh, to, to go instead of another city, um, yeah, it was it was an interesting. It was an interesting gambit um, and, and a, an interesting way to get your your point across. I uh, yeah, I don't know. As, as someone who you know would have would have you know as, as someone who was really interested in the game itself, it at times got intrusive. Uh, but I thought everybody did fine, and I could sort of understand both sides of. I get oh, yeah, why they too. I get why they want to get their message across. I also get why they thought um, you know they could. Uh, uh, you know they, they could they could work in a lot of the stuff kind of kind of seamlessly. All right. Meanwhile, going on at the same time last we got, night, we, we, was, got Ferg, we got Ferg at four thirty. By the way, oh good met, deal, met good play. deal. We'll, we'll get his thoughts on what we're about to talk about when we come back from the break, and that is the unveiling of the SEC schedule, football schedule for twenty twenty four. We'll get into that and more. Love for you to join in. You can give us a call on the drive hotline presented by Skybar. That number, 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. So we'll be right back, and uh, we'd love to get your thoughts as well as we continue here with the Thursday Drive. Ho, 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 let's go. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 22 minutes after 4 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. And yeah, we'd love for you to join in as we turn to football and specifically the 2024 schedule. We knew each SEC team's conference foes and knew who would be home, who would be away, but we did not know when those games would be played. As a matter of fact, we we didn't know Auburn's fourth non-conference opponent until last night, and that's Alabama A&M, uh, which will actually be the season opener for the Tigers before they uh, host Cal. First, I mean, just um, when you first – saw or heard of the schedules dan what what uh struck you what was the i mean the i mean we can talk about auburn specifically or the entire conference for auburn the fact that for the second time in five years they don't have a home game in october is uh i think is interesting to say the least and that's the cost of playing does auburn open with five Five straight home games which is another you know sort of you know i I almost wish well it depends because i guess you look at that arkansas game and you say would you would you like to swap that for a conference road game 
and play a home game in October, right? Would no, you, I think I'd probably rather play Arkansas at home before I played Oklahoma at home the next week I than do, going on the road. You do run the risk of a little bit of burnout with five straight home right. games. I think that Arkansas game is well, the one where you risk. Arkansas, yeah, maybe people thinking about Oklahoma the exactly, next week. Exactly, yeah. I just worry if Arkansas would be the one where people think, okay, well, we've we've gone to three straight games. If Auburn seems like a substantial favorite on paper against Arkansas, is that game going to feel kind of skippable? Because I think Oklahoma, the New Mexico game's the one that New Mexico's people. another one. Because yeah. after after uh, after the opener, which everybody wants to see, and then Cal the next week, I think with two SEC games coming, I think that New Mexico may be the tough sell. I don't think you want to play more than more than three in a row before the fan base starts to feel like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like maybe four is, is Auburn's the only team that plays five, five straight, straight home games. Yeah. Auburn is the only team in the sec that plays three straight road games. Auburn plays five straight home games and then Georgia, right? Is that, is yeah, that the, five straight home games, then three straight road games. Now when it, the buy is after Georgia, the buy right? is after Georgia and before Missouri. So the month of October is spent in Athens, open date at Columbia, at Lexington. Right, and and I will say that bye week at Missouri, at Kentucky, isn't. I mean, considering who Auburn plays on the road, if you're gonna give me two straight road games after a bye, I would say those are probably that. You know what I mean? Like rather, yeah, Missouri is a ten win team. Missouri is a ten win team, and you so knew there were. So you're playing. At a 12-win team, taking a week off and playing at a team that won 10. Sure. And that's going to be, depending on what happens against Oklahoma and Georgia, mm-hmm. that Missouri game becomes a huge game, you know, in, in Auburn's, in, you know, in Auburn's season. That's a, that's a hinge game, depending on how the team performs at home against, and at home against Oklahoma. I don't think it matters what happens in the weeks leading up to it. That, that as we, we said from the oh, that's, moment, that's it great. Confirmed. It's the first ever, yeah, it's, it's the, First time these teams have played on campus. It's going to feel like the Penn State game did. If you remember when Penn State came to Auburn right. last season, it's going to feel like well, I hope that. It doesn't end up feeling but like no, the no, Penn no, State no, 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 no. Leading up to kickoff, I know, I know. You know what I'm saying. Though. I know. I remember how that game played out. Yeah. Uh, but but the the, uh, the leading up to kickoff is going to feel like that with the added. It's a conference game element. Like right. Penn State was a non-conference. It's going to have all the the history of because there aren't that many top ten, top fifteen all-time programs that have never played a game at Auburn, we're going to check one of them off the list next season with Oklahoma. That is absolutely and that's gonna, right. And that game's going to feel like, I mean, if, if you, it, with all due respect to everybody on Auburn's schedule, if you can only go to one game next year, I think you want to be there when Oklahoma comes to Auburn for the first time ever. Like, that That to me is... Uh, it's, it's the, it is the top seller on the season ticket. The home season ticket, no, no question about it. And, and tell, we your, tell your we, boys, tell your boys to make work early to make sure they got seats uh, for 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 Auburn, Oklahoma. We we have we have tickets for those people. Need to move if they're sitting in our seats for that. Um, I just got my oh, I just got my notification today. Go ahead and get your season tickets now. It's like I'll, I'll wait till I'll wait till the start of twenty twenty four before I'm doing fiscal that. year. You'll wait till the yeah, start of fiscal really. year twenty four. Hey, we were right though, and it wasn't a big shock. We were exactly right about who Auburn played before. Georgia and Alabama, knowing that Georgia plays in Tuscaloosa the week before Auburn comes to Athens and knowing that Alabama plays in Norman the week before Auburn comes in, it made sense that that would be Auburn's two toughest home games the week before they go to Athens and to Tuscaloosa. So we got those right with Oklahoma coming before Georgia and then A&M coming before Auburn's trip to Tuscaloosa. Let's get to the drive hotline. 
uh, 334-321-1390. And John is up first. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon. I am working my way back to Frontville from uh, Montgomery. Question, as a season ticket holder, how hard is it to balance a schedule? Because I get uh, burnt out, like you said, on five or six games in a row, especially to start the season. Uh, We can't have one game at home and one on the road and one game at home and one on the road. Is that impossible to schedule? The SEC sets the conference schedule. And so that's what – I mean – that's what makes it difficult to do. I, you know, I wonder how some of these, you know, some schools come up with a whole lot better looking schedules than others. You look at the two new members of the SEC, Texas has it a whole lot better, I believe, than Oklahoma does. So somebody, well, Texas also, that's that's in part because Texas gets to count the Red River rivalry as a road game right. next year. Oklahoma, so they only have three true road games and Oklahoma, in the conference. Oklahoma only has three games in Norman, and I believe one of them yep. is one of them's Alabama. Yes. So, so, so I mean, they they only you know so it's that's that's a that's a tough draw when you, you but, three three home games and one of them's Alabama. But yeah, I mean, when and the conference sets the if the conference sets the dates and this uh, and you already know the sites for these games, um, you're sort of stuck. I mean, what else can you do? I mean, they. Yeah. They put it where you can't have an open date before um, the the big the big ball games because they put conference games in the there. The trade, John, the, the trade we were talking about, and, and I, I wonder, for fans, it might be favorable, but I could understand why a coach would turn this down. If you look at that Arkansas game that Auburn plays the week before Oklahoma and Georgia back-to-back, that Arkansas game at home, which will be Auburn's, that's going to be home game number four. I believe, in, in a row to start yes. the year. If you could swap that and turn it into a road game at Missouri or at Kentucky, would you want to do that? Like I get why, as a fan, you'd want to break up the the stretch of home games there, but if you're Auburn, do you want to play at Missouri and then home against Oklahoma and then at Georgia in a three-week stretch? Because that, that would make the schedule seemingly more difficult Agreed. Th- th- than it is yeah, right now. It's, it's, it's maybe not ideal because you've got those five straight home games, but I think it it is more fair as far as the way it's it's split up with, with who you're playing in the conference and when. Yeah, if I, was a, uh, if I lived in Auburn and uh, wasn't a commuter to the games because it, it becomes financially and physically exhausting, to go back to back to back to back. And Understand. Set up your tailgate and pay for gas and food, and so it's it's a workout uh, when you're coming from out of town. But uh, other than that, uh, there won't be any uh, looking. Uh, there won't be any more uh, New Mexico states looking ahead because I think Texas A&M we play them the week before, and Alabama right. plays Oklahoma the week before. Yeah, it's odd Alabama that game. it's odd that Auburn has an open date in between Vandy and Louisiana Monroe. They're in week. Uh, when, 10 when's like, the, when's 9 the, of the season. When's the Monroe game? The Monroe game is the week before Texas A&M. Okay. So in November, after you don't go on after you're on the road for the entire month of October, uh the month of November has Vandy, open date, Louisiana Monroe, A&M and then on the road at Tuscaloosa. I, st- I still get that everyone in the conference plays an, a non-conference game in November, you know, some of those SEC teams play ACC teams as part of the matchup, but the uh yeah, I mean that the Sunbelt game in the middle of that in the middle of that November stretch is still I mean, after New Mexico and State it's, last and it's year. It's coming off an open date. Yeah. Too. Yeah, against against a guy who was at UAB for a long time and would love to have his team uh, throw a wrench in Auburn season. Uh, one other question uh, going back to uh, basketball, does uh, the Auburn Arena control the uh, 
the standing only standing room only tickets? Yes. Or is how does that in collaboration with like the fire marshal? Yeah, with the fire marshal. How does the uh, prices for standing room only escalate like that if the university? Oh, oh no! Oh no! No, the university has a set price. It's when people have those digital or paper tickets. That are reselling them that that the ticket prices are as ridiculous yeah, the, as you see. The, pri- the prices I was, I believe the price is twenty dollars. I was citing a price from the from second, an aftermarket. Yeah, from the secondary service that you that ESPN's uh, app links to, which I think mm-hmm. is Vivid Seats. Right. But um, but but that that was the prices. I you know I swear when I talk about get in price, it's not the list price on the ticket. No. It's the price uh, on a on a service uh, se- selling you tickets on the on the secondary market. You can buy a standing room only ticket prior to uh, getting to that uh, game. You can buy standing room only tickets in advance. You could. They sold out very, very quickly. But yes, they did have they did have uh, standing room only tickets that they put on sale once the season tickets and the individual seated tickets were sold. And I mean, they went in a in a heartbeat. I know both both my sons were trying were in line and they were able to get a few games, but not all of them. I've got two tickets. Well, I've got season tickets, but I'm hoping to be in Auburn after church on Sunday to watch USC. So uh, I don't know if the uh, possibility of LeBron James being there may be driving those. Uh, I think it is. Prices up some. So, but anyway, I appreciate your time. Thank you, all sir. Appreciate it, John. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. We're going to check in with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. When we come back, stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Thursday drive, 23 minutes away from 5 o'clock. Bill and Dan here in the studio, and we're now joined. By Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer again, the uh, the tra- that traveling man, Justin uh, back in town from Huntsville last night. Uh, Ferg, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, I mean, we we were talking about watching the game, watching the broadcast last night. It was a little more difficult to keep up with. I'm hoping than it was for those of you that were there. Yeah, I mean, I think my only thing I had about this game is where I was sitting. I was directly behind the UNC Asheville bench in mm. the corner. And so if anything was happening on the other end, especially when UNC Asheville had the ball in the first half, like I had to like lean around and like even stand up a couple times to look over uh, the guys on the bench. But um, I think that was a lot easier uh, to manage than uh, than than what I what I have what I have been able to gather about the broadcast. This is this is a first world problem for sure, Justin. But sometimes when I'm doing Sunbelt games on the road, the road radio spot that the uh, opposing arenas have picked out is purely right. unintentional. No, man. no. What, what they'll do is <laughs> what they'll do is they'll put it like they'll have a spot right next to the team, the home team's uh, right next to the road team's bench. Have a spot for the SID and then a spot for radio uh, right next to him. And what that will usually mean is that I am directly behind the coach. Like I am direct, I am directly behind yeah. the head coach on on the at the scores table. Yeah, she's walking up and down as I'm yes. trying to call play, and right. she's she's like unintentionally screening me on, on every play as I'm trying to get. And so I'll you know that that's uh yeah you know sometimes it, you know the, the the proximity is great, 
sometimes the angles or some of the obstacles can 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 get in your uh, in, in the sight line. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I love sitting courtside. I mean, anybody who's been to Bob Ron Center, it's like it's an interesting layout, obviously because it's a hockey arena, uh, and you know, there's there's some interesting sight lines and angles. But I mean, getting to sit behind that UNC Asheville bench, kind of hearing, um, you know, what they were kind of going through and and seeing, you know, that up close view of the action was was always really good. I mean, I you know, I don't have a problem like we're we're up in the perch now at at uh, at the arena at home and. Um, you can kind of see everything from up there, but it was a different angle, and and I'll tell you, it was a, it was a fun crowd. Um, you had a little over 6,500 fans, sellout crowd. Almost all of them were Auburn, and uh, the folks up at Huntsville, they've been waiting a, a long time for Auburn mm-hmm. to come up there and play a basketball game in this era, and, and uh, they were treated to a pretty good show, and uh, they had a they had a pretty lively. Um, time there last night yeah i mean it wasn't the the performance that auburn had over in atlanta against indiana and it was a you know again a little bit of a uh, um auburn needed a kickstart bringing bringing guys in Mm -hmm. but overall i mean i don't know that i've ever seen a team score 87 well on the college level a team score 87 points have two guys in double figures and and it wasn't like one of them had 30 i mean you had trey with 15 Chad with 11 and eight other, well, nine other guys had between five and nine points. It was crazy. It, it's the most balanced box score I've ever seen in a college basketball game. You have an 11-man rotation, which to begin with is something so rare in college basketball. Uh, I pointed this out today. So far this season in college basketball, Auburn is six in bench minutes uh, to the percentage of minutes they play on the bench. They are one of only two power conference teams in the top 30 nationally that do that. The other one is Vanderbilt. And if you haven't watched Vanderbilt this year, they're just trying to find some answers and, and you know, trying everything right now at this point. So it's so rare. I mean, you know, I wrote about it today, um, you know, in the observations this morning as well. Like you look at the, look at the game and like Chad hits a couple of free throws to be the first one to get the double digits with like nine minutes left on the clock. Usually that's a bad sign. But Auburn was in cruise control in that point. And the other thing was he scored a ton of his points, you know, right in a row. Like mm-hmm. he was scoreless, uh, you know, in the first half. And then he goes crazy in the second half. Um, obviously, you get Trey Donaldson finishing with a flourish at the end. Uh, had a phenomenal game uh, there. But, like, everybody who got on the floor for Auburn in their normal rotation, including Leor Berman, who's kind of been that 11th man that plays sometimes, but not in every game, every one of those guys had multiple shots hit. All of them, but Leo Berman had multiple rebounds, and six of those guys, so more than half of them, uh, had um, you know multiple assists in the game. So I mean, it was just a crazy good balanced offense for Auburn, and they didn't tear it up from deep. And they had some, they had a couple of stretches where the you know they had a hard time you know really slowing down what UNC Asheville was trying to do on offense at times. But I mean, they won the first half by by. 13 and won the second half by 12 or something like that covered with ease um you know all of their computer metrics uh, got better after a game like this it was exactly what you want if you're if you're Auburn and I agree with Bruce Pearl they're gonna have to play better to beat USC Mm -hmm. but they played pretty well last night talking with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here on the Thursday edition of the drive and uh, and Justin yeah it's, it's remarkable I mean I think I think now we're up to there's 10 players Averaging between sixteen and twenty-three minutes for, for for this Auburn team, the balance is is crazy, and the way they're able to to use different uh, combinations and, and and different different looks. 
uh, depending on their opponent. But a lot of these games seem to, I mean, you're a big middle eight guy. Like a lot of these games seem to, you know, follow a script where Auburn really takes charge in the final 10, 12 minutes of the first half. And if they've got the advantage coming out of the locker room, they can extend that to where the game doesn't feel all that close. We've seen that happen now a couple of times where very close first 10 minutes, the next 20 are decidedly advantage Auburn. And and I'm wondering what, what yeah, you think yeah. is, is, you know, what you think is playing into that, you know, you know, the, the plan or uh, just the, the, the way guys are executing. I think it's twofold, Dan. I think the first is the depth. I think the fact that when Auburn starts digging into their bench, I mean, they, they have a rotation most nights. They have a rotation where it's all five bench players on the floor within the first five or six minutes of the game. Nobody else does that, and that keeps their starters fresher, and there's just so much balance from that lineup. It's just constant. I mean, this is a team that's running and pressuring and doing a lot of stuff like that. And, and you know, they're taking – like, Auburn does not have this, like, ultra-consistent superstar type of talent this year. They've got guys who can blow up at times. Aiden Holloway, Janai Broom, you know, Jalen Williams had a phenomenal game last last Saturday, obviously. Um, but, you know, they're at their best when everybody's sharing and everybody's scoring. And so I think, you know, once other teams are having to dip into their benches a little bit more as you get deeper into the first half, advantage Auburn because Auburn has already been rotating and they're fresher and they're just much more used to much more comfortable playing uh, you know, to their bench. And the second thing is their defense. You look at Auburn, this is a much better defensive team, um, you know, than they were at the beginning of the year. I think they're an improved defensive team than they were last year. And the big thing there is in the first half, um, you know, you shoot on the opposite goal. And so Auburn, their defense is right in front of the bench uh, in the first half. So what we saw last night against UNC Asheville, we saw Drew Pember get going a little bit. Um, Start, start to kind of start to kind of get in a groove. You know, Seattle took a brief lead, um, got on a run, and Auburn adjusted. Their defense changed some things up, started forcing a lot more turnovers, getting aggressive, turning that into offense. I think this defense, especially when they're in front of Bruce Pearl in the first half, they've done a really good job of adjusting on the fly. So you compare that, you, you, you combine that, I should say, with a defense or, or with a depth that is just really, really good. That defense and that depth, I think, just puts Auburn in a position where, hey, We'll, we'll, we'll feel out the first few minutes of the game, and then if we have to adjust, we can, and then you're going to be in better position to finish that half because um, you're fresher, you're deeper, and also you've made the counter you know, punches at that point. I think we saw that last night against UNC. We definitely saw that against Indiana on Saturday where you know Indiana hits a ton of shots early and then goes super, super cold. And Auburn takes a game that it was firmly in Indiana's control after the first few minutes to a blowout on their end. I mean, they're just really, really good at doing that. All right, let's uh, take a quick look at the USC game. We're talking about it. Um, you know, Justin, I, I don't know that I can ever recall as tough a ticket for a non-conference game at yeah. Auburn slash Neville Arena. Uh, can you? No, no. I think, I mean, this will be – the Washington game a couple years ago was such a big, like high-profile early game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the first rank versus rank game in arena history. This it doesn't even compare to this. It's going to be a super tough ticket because USC, even though they've kind of not been as strong out of the gates this year, this is one of the most star-studded teams in college basketball. Um, I, I heard uh, that there are going to be over 50 scouts at this game um, because if you don't know yet, uh, Isaiah Collier, this is the starting point guard from um, from USC. Actually, 
Auburn was on him recruiting when he was like a ninth grader. He's an Atlanta kid, um, was a really big target early on for Auburn. He decides to go to USC. Um, he might be the number one pick in this class, uh, maybe top three at worst. Uh, really elite player. You've obviously got Bronny James early in his tenure. People think he could be a lottery pick, obviously. You know, Boogie Ellis is a great talent who's played a lot of college basketball. Like This is a star-studded matchup, and it's already a tough ticket to get because it's an Auburn basketball home game. And those things are sold out super, super quickly. So um, it, it's, 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 I, can't, I can't think of a hotter ticket. I mean, and I think it's going to rival some of the big SEC games we've seen in the arena the last few years. Hey, hey Justin, do we uh, do you have time for an, another, uh, another little segment talking some football? Sure. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a yeah, break and do that. All right, so we'll do that. We'll get to a break. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final segment of hour number one. And a few more minutes with uh, Justin Ferguson for the Auburn Observer. And, uh, yes, with uh, a, a lot of football news, Justin, here we are. I mean, transfers are visiting this weekend. We're less than a week away from the early signing period. Uh, we, we found the SEC overall schedule yesterday. There's a lot of football news. What, uh, what jumps out at you right now? I mean, there, there's, there's so many headlines, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a pretty big weekend for Auburn, and I'll throw something else in there. Saturday, bowl practices. Oh, that's right. Great going for Auburn. You meet you meet with uh, Hugh Freeze, and we're going to find out who's going to be out there on you know for the Music City Bowl, and just kind of maybe some more decisions, some more info uh, coming out from that. So yeah, it's a pretty busy weekend for sure uh, for the football program, and I think I think this is going to be a big one because between the guys. Uh, you know, that are coming in onto campus, uh, the official visits that are transfers, you get the unofficial visits uh, from some of the guys that are, uh, be, you know, kind of be leading the way for this 2024 class and, uh, you know, taking advantage of the fact that it's such a big weekend, you know, with the USC game in town. There's a lot of stuff going on uh, with this football team. And, and I, I'm just, I'm really, really interested in seeing what kind of, what more movement we'll see from this roster here over the next few days. Yeah, and and not just as you're talking about who's going to be out there for the bowl game, there's some guys that we know won't be back, but we still don't know whether they're playing in the bowl game or not. Correct, man. I mean, there's some guys that, you know, could be going pro, could be going yep. transfer portal, they'd have to come back or whatever, and we don't know anything about them yet either. So, uh, it's going to be you're going to learn a lot this weekend and um, you know, I, I think Auburn, you know, I got a question in the mail about this going up tomorrow about Auburn's portal, you know, stuff right now and and i think auburn fans i would say some patience is probably needed in the portal this is a this is a team that i think is going to kind of be more of a premium at positions this year instead of doing like you know taking a ton of transfers Mm -hmm. we're gonna take some for sure and i think uh when you look at the visit list lined up for this weekend a lot of those guys have been you know pretty much from the moment that auburn offered them some of their highest you know value targets on the board um so you know they're they're gonna be in the hunt for all these guys here down the stretch and I don't think Auburn's going to go buck wild in the transfer portal this year uh, but you know they could pick up some more over this next few days and they got a number of guys coming on a camp so they'd love to add. I would think that um, one area that that is, is is really being focused on right now is that defensive line with Marcus Harris announcing yep. that he's going pro and the three guys that have entered the transfer portal Auburn's really thin there they're bringing and you know they're, they're hoping they get Amaris Williams 
who it now looks like is going to visit Georgia. After yesterday, it looked like he wasn't. But, I mean, he's a high schooler, but they're bringing in Joey Slackman is a name that has popped up the last few days that, that everybody wants. And I think it's, it's good for Auburn they're able to get him in before the dead period. Yeah, absolutely. And defensive line, I think, is my big question kind of overall for Auburn moving forward long term. You have Keldrick Falk. You've got some a couple of guys that you really, really like, you know, a little bit younger. Um, you know, and then this recruiting class, when you look at some of the dudes they're adding up front, you like them. But, you know, this is a this is a position group that was pretty thin last year. You're losing your best player in Marcus Harris, uh, and you're losing some other guys. Um, they're in the portal or out of eligibility. So that defensive line is going to need, uh, need to kind of bulk up a little bit more. Uh, in terms of, you know, just talent and and um, depth. And so that defensive line room, I think, is one that I'm con- going to continue to keep an eye on moving forward as kind of like a, a really good barometer of where this roster is and kind of what you can expect from uh, this program in 2024 and beyond. So it's a big weekend for that group for sure. No question about it. Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend, and and uh, Justin will continue being as busy as he has been. Let everybody know what uh, what you've got going there at the Observer, what's coming up, and, of course, how they can get it. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com, check it out. Uh, got a lot of basketball up there this week, football tomorrow, and some basketball in the, in the uh, mailbag. Uh, we'll talk uh, a lot of football and basketball also uh, on the podcast that will drop tomorrow morning this weekend with bowl practices and all that. We'll have stuff now over the weekend, USC game, ton of stuff going on. AuburnObserver.com, $5 a month or $50 a year to sign up between now and the end of December. And uh, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Also a really good gift if you're looking for something here um, for an Auburn fan uh, close to the holidays. No question about it. Thanks, Justin, man. We'll, we'll – uh... We'll see you around some of these uh, some of these events that are going on. Yeah, it'll be a busy time. See y'all later. All right, Justin Ferguson joining us as we approach the end of hour number one. Hey, don't forget, coming up at the bottom of hour number two, it's Tiger Takes as we'll check in with Dylan Cardwell. Until then, we'll reopen the phone lines three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Come on in and join us as we come back for hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. And hour number two of the drive brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika. On the web at orthoclinic.com. A lot going on last night. The uh, the unveiling of the SEC 2024 football season. I honestly, I mean, I had it on for a while. I listened in the car. I called you when uh, when when I heard a couple of the a couple of the announcements. It's really tough listening because there it was just the television. Yep. Audio, so they're like, and here's the rest of week one, and I had no idea. And you know, they didn't mention Auburn until I think we got to Auburn, Oklahoma, in week five. It was the first time I even knew for sure. Um, Little theater of the mind. That yeah, you had to I'm trying in. to guess. So, but I called you when I heard a couple of them because it was as we expected. But a uh, a big show last night, two hours. I watched the first hour, then I watched the um, the 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 attempt at Manning casting oh, the yeah, Auburn right. uh, the Auburn 
UNC Asheville game last night. They're going to say like Golden Bachelor or something. No, 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 no. Surprise us with something. No, no, I didn't have any trouble this time. ESPN Plus worked just fine. Um, so so we, we watched that and then checked everything else that was going on. But there's a lot going on. We're less than a week away from National Signing Day. I know they still want to call it the early signing period, but let's face it, this is the main signing period. Transfer portal uh, guys are going everywhere. And as we as Fur- we talked about yesterday, Ferk had something really interesting to say there, talking about the uh, which we, I don't think we've talked about the practice that I think we're going to get to see some of on Saturday. I, I think don't know. I, I know we get Hugh at twelve thirty, and then some players. Well, I'm well, not. I'm and the email says the practice is at at you know after the after the Hugh Freeze press right. conference. So maybe that means we get to watch. Maybe there's a, a little bit, yeah, but maybe, I mean, maybe there's a yeah, that, window in that's there. That's something. It, it is really intriguing. People are going. What do you mean you'll find out? Because we don't know the situation with some players that might still be thinking about going pro. There may be some other players that are um, going to want to jump in the transfer portal that we haven't heard about or or won't be available for the bowl game. We don't, don't know. know who's going to be in the secondary. Don't know who's going to be on the defensive line. We don't know who may have gotten injured in the Iron Bowl. That is true. And, and could be rehabbing those injuries uh, through the offseason and, and missing the bowl game for that. I mean, it's uh, and, and the bowl game represents an opportunity, you know, as, as we've been saying, for some younger players who didn't get on the field to maybe step up if they can show out in bowl practice. Yeah, I, and, I don't know get, that that's the time I'd want to throw three new guys in the secondary out there against Talia Tungabailoa. But, no, no, but it, but, but if, um, you may not have any other choice. I was going to say, if, if Keontae Scott and uh, – well, well, I guess with Keontae it would be more injury than yeah. – than... Keontae, you would think, is going to be there. But, I mean, if if uh, Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson and uh, Zion Puckett, I mean, if those – if those guys aren't out there, DJ James, DJ James. Oh yeah, that was the other one I was trying to think of. I mean, if they're not out there, oh, you're going to see some, some, uh, s- some more inexperienced players. All right, we'll talk about that more. But right now, we're going to head to the uh, drive hotline presented by Skybar, and welcome in a regular Thursday afternoon guest following his show there on ESPN Chattanooga, uh, and of course from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. That's David Pascal. Hey, David, how you doing today? Guys, I'm doing great. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we do. We are doing pretty well. I mean, wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, the the SEC football schedule. What were the What were the things that stood out to you uh, from from this eight game schedule that we have for the six for the uh, sixteen SEC teams next year? Well, I mean, the thing that jumps out is just what a death march Florida has to close next season. <laughs> I mean, that, that is incredible that you yeah. go from the cocktail party to at Texas, home against LSU, home against Ole Miss, and then at FSU. That's I mean, you be... five games to close the season against teams that are in the top 13 right now. And no open date. Right, hey, David, that's, that's going to be so tough for whoever the interim coach is after Billy Napier gets fired. <laughs> That's going to be so. We have already talked about the fact that they they've got a uh, you know ten games against Power Five teams that are in bowl games right now. I mean, it is just unbelievable. And yes, I mean, I I think everybody would take the bet. Like to your point, Dan, that like this time next year will Billy Napier be the coach of Florida? You're like, how in the world can he make that happen? I mean, it is just incredible. Half of his first signing class is in the portal. I mean, Graham Mertz is coming back, but a whole lot of other folks are leaving town. Uh, so that, I mean, I've never seen five straight games like that. And then if you look for the flip side 
and you look at like you know Missouri. Missouri, yeah, absolutely. Their conference schedule is like Buffalo and Murray State and Boston College and UMass. And if you look at their league schedule, half of their eight games are against teams that aren't in bowl games this year. They were the ones that were able to go out and uh, get Vanderbilt and Arkansas and Miss State and South Carolina. So. Uh, Missouri's schedule is unbelievably favorable. Missouri and Ole Miss, to me, looked like uh, wow. Uh, so that they really, they really caught favorable schedules as compared to uh, you mentioned Florida. And of the two, the two new teams in the league, I think Texas got it a little easier than Oklahoma. You know, when you think about uh, you know that next to last week of the season for years has always been you know, Auburn versus SoCon and Alabama versus SoCon before you get to the Iron Bowl. Uh-huh. And, and, of course, the next to last week of the season, uh, I think you've got Auburn hosting Texas A&M and you've got Oklahoma, you know, hosting Bama. And so, I mean, it's incredible that, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's last two games alone are home against Bama and at LSU. You know, that's kind of another thing that jumps out at you is you've always got the Iron Bowl that kind of headlines that last weekend, and that's always kind of been your de facto CBS game these last few years. But it's going to be a different world next year if if Auburn, you know, is disappointing or whatever the case may be. You could certainly have your marquee game be Texas, Texas A&M or Oklahoma LSU. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot more competition that last Saturday of the regular season now. And as crazy as it sounds, especially after the last 30 years of division play, you know, I think all told, Auburn, uh, I mean, you, you do play Alabama and Georgia, but that was a given. You knew Auburn was going to play Alabama and Georgia. You knew you were going to play them on the road. Other than that, I mean, Oklahoma is going to be a big historic game. A&M's a bit of a dice roll as far as what they're going to look like come November 2024. You were you were talking about some of the road. I mean, I think for Auburn, it's, it's four – it's four games at home, non-conference, where you seem like you've got a clear advantage over the opponent, and then home games against Arkansas, Vanderbilt. Yeah, the home schedule is a piece of cake. Road, it appears yeah, ro- comparatively. Ro- road games against uh, against uh, Kentucky and Missouri. Missouri, the ten-win team from last year. That's you know, but I, I think Auburn could have been. Could have been worse. I mean, yeah, you, you could. You, I think you were expecting. Uh, you, you were expecting worse if, if you're an Auburn fan. Uh, you know, who can who can be pessimistic? I don't disagree with that. Uh, you know, the Kentucky and Missouri; those games become very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got a situation up the road in Knoxville where uh, they're giving Tennessee four consecutive games in Neyland Stadium. You know, there's the there's the September 21st game at, at Oklahoma, which will have a lot of Hypo fanfare, given that he quarterbacked the Sooners to the 2000 National Championship. But uh, you've got that, and then uh, and then Tennessee has an open date. They go out to Arkansas, and then they've got four straight games at home. They've got Florida, Bama. Uh, Kentucky and Mississippi State. State. Yeah, Kentucky and Mississippi State. And, and then they close at Georgia and at Vandy. So that's definitely the make-hay part of Tennessee's schedule are those four straight games in Neyland. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at, like, Tennessee's schedule, and it's so tough to do because everything's so fluid, but, I mean, if you look at Tennessee's schedule, you're like, okay, they've got Oklahoma on the road and Georgia on the road. I certainly don't like Tennessee's chances in those, although Oklahoma 
has had a lot of portal turnover so far, mm-hmm. losing Dylan Gabriel and a lot of offensive linemen in the portal so far. Uh, and then, you know, I, you know, I know they beat Bama in Knoxville last year, but you'd have to say they're going to be underdogs against Bama. But every other game is very winnable. I mean, you've got Florida that's rebuilding. You've got, you know, you go out to Arkansas that's rebuilding. I mean, Tennessee has a very nine and three type of season potentially, which would actually put them exactly right in the middle of where they've been the last two seasons because oh, they followed up a ten and two with an eight and four. Oh, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, and Auburn's the only team in the league that has three straight road games. So. I mean, okay. at, le- at yeah. least they get an open date in there in between Georgia and Missouri. But still, that that's how they, they spend the month of October uh, on the road with an open date in the middle. But they've got their first five games at home, right? right? Yeah, and then November, yeah. November. I mean, you're at home till you go to Tuscaloosa. So it's crazy. You're, okay. home for, you're home for a month. You're on the road for a month. You're home for most of the last month. The one thing that I – and I brought this up to you all before. The one thing I don't like about Auburn's schedules in recent years is I wouldn't mind uh, I wouldn't mind Auburn playing a big game, a, a league game maybe in that second week. Early, no early. kidding. Not everybody does. But I just – I've thought for, for – there have been multiple. I thought under Harson they would play, you know, an Alabama A&M and then an Akron or whatever. And I was like, you know, playing two games like that back-to-back to me just does you no good when it leaves you backloaded having to play like Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and LSU three straight weeks. Well, and, and we had a caller in the first hour, you know, saying, you know, it's it, it really is tiring, especially if you don't live right here in town, to be having to make plans to come five straight weeks in – no, I agree, but as as we told the caller, I mean, uh, Auburn doesn't set the conference dates. Yeah, we, we talked about swapping out uh, the, the Arkansas game that Auburn plays the week before Oklahoma. You know, if you wanted to swap that out for one of the of the October road games, you know, that would that would seemingly make the schedule more... But I'd more still b- rather play it before game four. I'd rather so, not yeah. be playing three straight non-conference games at home to start the I'm season. I'm with you. I'm with you. I just don't like that. You know, Tennessee's got – Tennessee, it's interesting. I was just going over their schedule. One of their – because you always talk about, well, this, this is a game you're probably going to lose. These are definitely winnable. And then you have what you call those coin flip games. I would say one of Tennessee's biggest coin flip games is their second game of the season against NC State. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and you think about it, that's over in Charlotte. Now, I do think Auburn winning at Cal was big. I, you know, And I think Cal actually made that win for Auburn look better throughout the year because uh, they had a better year than a lot of people thought. But, again, I, just, I think Auburn has the potential of capitalizing early. But, again, then, then that schedule, you know, once you get into league play. But it is. I mean, you, you do have some very winnable opportunities if you're Auburn. And, and so much of it is – I used to always go back to those Miami Hurricanes teams, you know, in the, like the late 80s and early 90s. Don't get me wrong, they were loaded with NFL talent. But how much did Miami back in the day – benefit from playing FSU, you know, they might have a big game early, like an Arkansas or a Washington or something like that, but then you would play Florida State in early October, and then you'd have like Notre Dame around Thanksgiving. And in between, you could throw in all the Louisville's and FAMU's that you wanted. I mean, I, I always thought Miami benefited from its schedule back in the day, and, and now you're starting to see, like, I think Georgia's schedule. I, I, I think it's, you know, you've got Clemson on it now. You've got Texas on it now. Mm-hmm. But I think Georgia's schedule is spaced out really nice to where you've got Clemson, and then you've got, like, three or four weeks later, you got Bama, and three or three weeks later, you got Texas. Those aren't easy games. Don't get me wrong. I just think I think spacing becomes a huge 
huge deal in this thing moving forward. And I like the fact, if you're a football junkie, you kind of like these seasons with two open dates because it makes it longer and the, and the inventory so good now. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be – now the next thing is – are we going to go ahead and get to nine? I think I think right now, I don't know many people that don't want a nine-game schedule after they look at this. They want to go ahead and see everybody a little quicker. I'm with you. You're like that, but you definitely have teams in this league that well, are you not know. like that. And, 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 and Kentucky is kind of at the top of that list. I've talked to people at Kentucky that say if the league goes to nine, they're going to drop Louisville. Huh? So be it. I mean, you know what? what and we were, teams, you know, we, we were talking to try to get to six and six. I mean, you've got those right. teams every year that try to do that. Yeah, we will wait until yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see if Louisville's in the conference before too long. You know, with what happens in the <laughs> ACC, and then, then 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 let's see Kentucky drop them. No, but but the uh, and Dan, they're not doing a good job of marketing themselves right now. Their no, basketball's dreadful. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. yeah, the lost lost to a uh, bottom half of the Sun Belt team at home. Last night, I think a coaching change could be uh, could be coming there for for Louisville basketball pretty soon. I, I don't know, but but the uh, no, you know, we, we were talking about may, maybe having some of those out of conference games early in the season because because I do feel like I don't know the November non conference game breaks up some of the drama of the you know of the of the, the race to what now is going to be make the playoff and and get to the SEC championship game and things like that. I know that you don't want to tinker with too many of those rivalries, but I'd love if, if sort of the league played as much well, of their non-conference football as possible in October and September. Here's something I was thinking, though, David. I mean, one of the things that I heard last night was, well, just because the games are listed November 30th doesn't mean they won't be played on Thanksgiving or on Friday. Well, not if you're playing conference games the Saturday before. You better be playing somebody that, that you feel like you can beat if they're going to make you turn around and play a big conference game on short notice. Yeah, and I mean, I guess, uh, of course, the Egg Bowl is that last week, and, of course, that's been on Thanksgiving the last few years. Uh, Arkansas-Missouri is typically that Friday. Hey, I remember I when Texas-Texas talk- Texas A&M used to be a Thanksgiving if, game. If, if I'm ESPN, right. I don't know how many of these games I want on at the same time. If I've got the power to move right. them on to Thursday and Friday and Saturday, yep. that rivalry week is so loaded. I, I, I wonder if Black Friday's in play for a couple of these games well, that's why I'm as, saying as well. You, you're probably going to have to keep some non-conference games in there just to try to make it a little, you know, fair for these teams. I also think one and, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the Alabama-Georgia game on the 28th, you know, in Tuscaloosa on the September 28th, they did, they did, they have already announced it's a that at 7:30 yeah. ABC, and that's the other thing to get kind of get ready for is I think now that the SEC on CBS is bye bye, they always had. 3.30 has already always been the time, or 2.30 Central has always been the time everybody coveted. But I just think you're going to see most of these big games at night now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and it, But I do think they're also, like I'm very curious, uh, the Red River shootout. I mean, do you keep that game at noon? Because if you do, you've got the potential of a, of a noon SEC game like that. Uh, I don't have the schedule with me, but I know that same day that Oklahoma plays Texas, there's a real good game you could put at 3.30 and a real good game you could put at 7.30, and you've got yourself a fantastic 
you know, basically 11 or 12 hours of SEC football. LSU, Ole Miss, Florida, Tennessee are also that There you go. There you go. You put Florida, Tennessee in the middle of the afternoon, and you've got LSU, Ole Miss at night, Mm -hmm. and you've got yourself a heck of a triple head. And they already – those are two games that they promoted on the Manning cast this past Monday because of Peyton's ties to Tennessee and the Manning's ties to to Ole Miss and the state of Louisiana. I wouldn't be surprised if not only did that come to fruition, but if the Manning family was heavily involved in the broadcast of those – those other two games other than the Red River Shootout? We're definitely seeing a a gearing toward the viewer. I mean, the inventory is going to be better than it's ever been before. I mean, and and they're going to try. I mean, Greg Sankey said they're going to try to let the the fans know that they can go to these games earlier. Um, I do think with the the teams that they've added to the league, it's going to be more and more difficult. Like, I'm really curious. I think a lot of Tennessee fans will be excited to go to Norman, Oklahoma, uh, to see this game in September three or four years from now when they have to make the same trip. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. So I think everything is just geared toward the viewer now. Uh, you're going to see more games in prime time. You're going to see better matchups. But, it's, you know, there's just a cost at all this. I mean, they, they flashed it up last night. LSU and Mississippi State are not playing. They've played 117 times. Alabama and Mississippi State are the two closest uh, schools in the league. They've played over 100 times. They're not playing next year. There's just so many games that are going away. Um, and, and y'all know the history of it. I mean, Auburn and LSU before divisional play, you know, would play twice every eight years. Right. Uh, but when the divisions came about, Auburn and LSU became like the, the closest game you could watch every year. I mean, most of those games through the years were just fantastic, especially in the early 2000s. Um, but, but that game, you know, this upcoming year is not going to be played. So I hate what's being lost, but if you're, if you're just a TV viewer wanting to just gorge on football, you know, I, I do think the SEC is about to deliver in a big, big way for you. Well, at least you're not going to have – you. Or there's no way you should have those long pauses in between games anymore. Auburn and Mississippi State. I mean, that's the second, that's the second most uh, that, that Auburn has played any team – is Mississippi State behind Georgia. So State's losing three teams that they have played more than just about anybody else. So that's the price that you pay by going to an eight-game schedule and trying to get things balanced right now. But whether, believe- whether, whether we're at eight or nine, you know you're going to play everybody twice in four years. I read somewhere uh, recently, David, that, that Ole Miss, the most represented state among Ole Miss students other than Mississippi is Alabama. And they're not playing either. And, and Ole Miss doesn't have Alabama or Auburn on, on next year's schedule. And, and, which, and, I think, and Georgia has both of them, right? Isn't Georgia playing both Mississippi teams and, and uh, Alabama schools aren't? I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that, that is. Uh, I mean, well, we'll have plenty to talk about. And, and as we said, boy, we're – we're less than a week away from signing day. The the portaling continues. This is a fun, fun time uh, and, and, and plenty to talk about and write about. David, let everybody know how they can keep up with everything you're doing. It's a fun time for some. It's a crazy time for some. It, you know, the <laughs> expression right. of, uh, you know, yeah, next Wednesday, everybody's going to sign on the dotted line. You always hear that. You're like, well, I'm not convinced we're going to get him until he signs on the dotted line. Well, that's signing on the dotted line. He could be out the door half a year later. You that's know, right. so, I mean, it's just crazy where we are. But, yeah, timesfreepress.com and ESPNChattanooga.com. Great stuff, David. If you don't mind, yeah, we'll check in with you next week one more time before uh, before the holidays. That sounds great. You guys have a wonderful weekend. All right, you too. David Pascal joining us as he has throughout football 
And, uh, yeah, great insights there. I mean, he, he really keeps up with the entire league. I'll be in uh, Clarksville uh, next week, which I don't know how close that is to, uh, to, to David's uh, It's closer part. than we are now. I think it is closer. It's in, in the state of Tennessee. So, yeah, look, looking forward to that. And, uh, and yeah, always great to check in with David. I, I, I have a replacement for you for next week. We got Coach? Coach says he's be, he'd be happy to be here anytime. Excellent, excellent. Coach so Don Coach Dunn. Don Dunn's going to be in. Uh, filling in next week while Dan is gone. So uh, we will take our first break here of hour number two. We'll get to the phones. Love to hear from you as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday evening. And let's get to the phones. Mitch is up first. Hey, Mitch. Hey, guys. A uh, couple things. Uh, first with the basketball game last night. Um, uh, I'm a direct TV guy, and uh, I don't have a subscription to ESPN Plus or SEC Plus, but I was able to watch the game on my laptop, and, um, uh, yeah, I was – I mean, I synced it up with uh, the broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, Andy's broadcast. Now, it buffered here and there, and I had to, you know, catch up or, you know, pause and all that stuff. But uh, but I listened to those guys, and, and I was kind of curious about the split screen, what they were doing, and you guys explained that earlier, so – I guess I didn't really miss anything. I don't but, think. Uh, I think uh, because of the the SEC uh, the SEC's deal with the ESPN, I think that games that are on ES uh, SEC Network Plus are games that you don't need an ESPN Plus subscription for. You just need your TV provider uh, information, and right. if you access SEC Network, you're allowed to get them. I think some games are on both, where you can access yeah. them either as an ESPN Plus subscriber or as an SEC Network. Subscriber, some games will be exclusive to one or the other, but I think since yeah, since you have since you have a way of watching SEC Network live, your TV your your TV provider should be enough to get you a game like last night's game. Yeah, yeah, because because when I looked at the schedule and I pulled it up on the laptop, it had you know it had it had it listed twice, one for ESPN Plus and one for SEC Network Plus. So that's okay. also that's, so that's also true thing. of. Um, when Auburn hosts Alabama State later this month, that game will be uh, streaming on both ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus uh, for, for subscribers to watch, and that game won't be on TV. Okay. Uh, second thing I got, um, watched uh, like the first hour of the, the unveil of the schedules and stuff like that. Right. Um, and you guys may have the schedules in front of you, but I'm pretty sure that – uh, Bama and Georgia have open dates before they play each other, and then Bama and LSU have open dates before they play each other. Am I correct on that? Yeah, let's. Yeah, that, that does seem to uh, uh, mysteriously work that way. Alabama's open dates are before Georgia and LSU. Georgia's open dates are before uh, Alabama and then uh, Florida. Okay, so yeah, so uh, yeah, there's no bias there, is there? No, it's just sheer luck. I'm sure. <laughs> of course. All right. Well, that, that's really all I had. But you know what? I'm like you, Bill. I hope. I hope we go to nine games. I don't. I don't like this. This eight game schedule. And I agree. I mean, I don't come to football games anymore. But five weeks in a row at home. Yeah, yeah I don't like that. Football. I don't like that. 
Appreciate it, Mitch. All right, guys. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to uh, – is it John? We'll get to John before we get to our bottom of the hour break. Hey, John. Hey, Bill. Hey, uh, I had one question and one thought um, on the SEC scheduling. Is there, what? How are they handling like any sort of tiebreaker if there's identical records near the top of the schedule? That was my first question. And just one thought. I was at the basketball game last night. I've been inundated with text messages about how horrible the broadcast was. I don't know if you guys have covered this. Oh, we did. I, we, was, okay, uh, I missed it. Well, what they tried to do with the next round guys, you remember them, the round table, the guys from the uh, formerly on the round table in Birmingham on jocks, uh, they they were approached about doing a Manning cast type broadcast. So you had the three of them in one box, and they were and and, and I believe the city of Huntsville uh, funded this, and they then provided guests for them to interview the entire game. So, I mean, there was hardly, there was hardly a minute's worth of game time when there wasn't someone else in another box there on the side of the screen being there to be interviewed by them. So, you know, Dan and I both agreed. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to blame them so much because that's what they were expected to do, you know, entertain and interview, but it was really tough to keep up with the ball game uh, because most of the shots were from uh, from up in the rafters, just wide shots while you're seeing three or four other people there on the screen, the split screen being interviewed. Tell you what, though, City Auburn never wants us to do a circus like we'll that. We'll do it. Yeah, let, let, us, let, us, <laughs> let us know. Hey, 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 guys, I'll say one final thought. Uh, if the City of Auburn actually had you do a game, I'm sure you would actually call Auburn by name. I heard Mayor Battle, who I'm not a oh, fan of Oh, yeah. I did not hear oh, it when I... that – because there was so much <laughs> – I was trying to watch the game, and I wasn't paying a lot of attention. I wonder if they really thought they were getting a lot out of the Auburn fans that were watching, because most Auburn fans would want to see what's going on in the game, who just scored that basket. But, yeah, I heard those com- I heard about those comments. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, John. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Speaking of Auburn basketball, we're going to talk with Dylan Cardwell on the other side. Tiger takes when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. Back on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday. Time now for our weekly Tiger Take segment brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back, or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. And, uh, yes, we are pleased to be joined, Bill and Dan here in the uh, studio on the uh, Thursday Drive, pleased to be joined by Auburn, well, graduate center Dylan Cardwell. First of all, uh, Dylan, uh, congratulations on the win this past week, but congratulations on the graduation. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that that had to be pretty hectic, and I know you've talked with you've talked with folks about this. But again, just sort of go through this past Saturday after man, probably as as good a performance we've seen out of Auburn basketball in a long, long time, and yeah. uh, trying to get that thing done, get back in time, and and be able to walk through graduation. Yeah, and it was it was uh, it, it was pretty fun to be a part of. You know, just knowing you have a game and. 
at graduation the exact same day. Um, you know, I'm thankful the game wasn't a close one. That was my biggest concern is that it wouldn't have hit the same if we would have lost that day. So, um, obviously, you know, my family was in town, so my mom drove me from the game in Atlanta to Auburn. And it was only about an hour and a half. We hit no traffic. And I made it to graduation with, like, 10 minutes left before the ceremony started. You guys have gotten to play in a couple of – Somewhat unusual locations these these last couple of uh, games. You know the Von Braun uh, last night, which is uh, I guess a hockey arena uh, for yeah. for much of its uh, much of its, and then and then the NBA arena on uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, is, is that I mean on top of it just being you know sort of fun for you guys to get to go you know see see different places. Is it uh, is it valuable experience? Sort of familiarize yourself with, uh, with you know and, and the team with, with playing uh, in spots other than other than Neville Arena. Yeah, you got. It's kind of like playing in like either March Madness or it's determined that's going to be a home game for you. So, just playing at neutral sites and getting used to playing away from home, even though your fans travel, is always a great experience. And obviously, playing in Huntsville, we have a lot of fans in Alabama. So, kind of uh, just playing closer to fans that aren't as close to Auburn is always fun. Well, one of the things I know that um, Bruce had been harping on was you know not looking past this game, not being a trap game with with the big win over Indiana this past Saturday and then USC coming in to Neville this Sunday. And, um, boy, after after the first few minutes, for the last two games, I, I, I really I don't know that I've seen a team be able to just take over the final ten minutes of a, of a half the way you guys have the last couple of ball games. Yeah, no, I don't know what to, to... – to test that too, um, you know, BP's always talking about. He's always trying to emphasize uh, fast starts and making sure we're not putting ourselves in a hole. And it's kind of just come out not flat, but not the team that we're we know we we know we are uh, the past couple of, of games. So uh, we're trying to turn that around before SC play starts because you know it's not going to be as easy to come back in those games once conference play starts. Dylan, we were looking uh, earlier in the show. We were looking at some of the stats from this year, and and at this point. You got ten players on this team that are averaging between sixteen and a half and twenty-three minutes per game, about a third of the way through this season. Does it take a certain mindset to buy into a system where yeah, you're not going to play thirty, thirty-five minutes a game, and and you know have have the ability to rest up during lulls on the court? You're going to be expected to be you know playing Bruce Pearl full throttle basketball for anywhere between 16 and 23 minutes instead of uh, the workload you might see yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, it takes like a lot of maturity to, to uh, understand that. But at the end of the day, you get to, like, I guess players have to buy into the fact that we're trying to put our best product out there, you know, every minute, every second, because every second counts. We don't have, we don't have the, the talent to go out there and just rest and have players play 30 minutes. We're not playing, you know, balls to wall as far as energy goes. So, you know, I'm very appreciative of you know the rotations and how the players come in here knowing they're going to they're going to play 20 minutes because they can play to their, they can play to their best ability and not take plays off because that's what loses you games is taking plays off. One of the things I mentioned a while ago, I I noticed it last night. I've never seen a box score like this in uh, in a in a 25 point win when you score 87 points. Only two players were in double figures, and it wasn't like one scored 30. It was Trey with 15 and Chad with 11. And then 
nine other guys between five and nine points. It's just uh, just unbelievable to see a box score like that. Yeah, it's a testament of how unselfish this team is as far as um, everyone just sharing the ball and the ball not being a sticky. Talking with Dylan Cardwell from the uh, from, from the Auburn men's basketball team here on the Thursday edition of the drive as part of our uh, part of uh, part of Tiger Takes, Dylan. I had a text uh, from from one of our regular listeners, Tex, uh, in, in Baton Rouge, just wondering, uh, did you do anything differently special? We we talked about the free throws earlier this year, but but Tex was just wondering, uh, saying that you just you you seem to be even more athletic, and that's that's a mouthful to imagine that, but I mean even more athletic and. Uh, able to uh, to do some things even better than you have. He just wondered about your training regimen or or things that you might have done differently in the off season leading up to this year. Yeah, I think it's just you know preparation and you know just having the opportunity to showcase my ability. I feel like ever since my sophomore year, I've kind of always been an athlete. Um, I've always been a good athlete, great athlete. But now it's just kind of like the uh, maturization as far as understanding you know, when and where and what to do in specific moments. Uh, that's probably a big testament to it. Um, nothing much has changed outside of, you know, the stuff that we do um, as a team and stuff like that. I think I've always been athletic and able to move like this. It's just uh, uh, the opportunities I've been put in, the situation I've been put in this, this year as opposed to last year. Mm-hmm. And then and back to what we were talking about a while ago with, with as many players getting playing time, you mentioned – uh, unselfishness. This team looks like they're they're very willing to go ahead and make that extra pass and uh, get you know it's not not just oh look out the ball got to a certain spot and it's it's going to go up from here that extra pass and with that comes some some better looks inside and out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, our coach always has his saying is pass pass pass. Always says. Be very adamant about passing and make sure the ball's not being sticky and the ball's moving because it tires and wears the defense out. Is mm-hmm. the ball you know moving because you have all five players moving from side to side rather than just having one player you know dribble a bunch of times and go downhill and uh, stuff like that. It's easier. It's easier to score if you have the defense moving because it's easier for you to break down. USC the opponent on Sunday. I know you guys just played a game last night, so I'm not sure how much prep you've done for the Trojans, but you saw them last year. And there's been a lot of buzz about this game in part because there are some, uh, some, some, some big names on the, uh, on the USC roster. Yeah. You know, for us, it's just another game. At the end of the day, we're looking at it as a, a chance for us to get into the tournament. Um, we're not really worried about the names as far as, you know, who they have, cause they have great players, but we're more focused on, you know, we have to be the most excited team out there, the most mature team out there and the most, physically out there and make sure that we're able to, to pull out a W because this is an important game as far as, you know, um, as far as our tournament hopes look. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what it looks like on Sunday, but but these last couple of games, you know, I, I felt like Auburn's pace has gotten to the opponent. You know, there have been times where the opponent has had to rush or, you know, you feel like maybe some fatigue is setting in in the second half. Andy Enfield, you know, going back to the Florida Gulf Coast days, which, which you know, maybe may a little bit, before your time, Dylan, because because we're old here here in the studio. But Andy Enfield Dylan the Kurt, probably remembers I don't, that. I, mean, I don't know. It was a while ago. But but yeah, Andy, well. Andy Enfield's been there a decade now at, at, at USC. But but Andy Enfield, you know, from from his time at Florida Gulf Coast to, to USC, it's it's similar, I think, to what Bruce wants to do. In he's welcome to an up tempo, 
uh, full throttle game on on both sides of the floor. And you know, it feels like you know th- these two teams stylistically could make for a really entertaining game. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, I think it's gonna be a good game. They're very good in transition. Uh, we need to be a better transition defensive team to make sure that they're not getting easy ones. Uh, kind of saw that breakdown last night. It's uncharacteristic for us not to get back on defense, but. Uh, we'll be locked in this game as far as our transition goes. But I'm excited for it to be a fast-paced, high-scoring game. Well, I think everybody's excited about it. I don't know that we talked about this earlier as well. I don't know that I've ever seen a tougher ticket for a non-conference game uh, here at Neville Arena. Yeah, I don't think I have either. <laughs> Yeah, so it's 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 great. Everybody everybody's looking. I can yeah, tell so you stop, that. So stop asking Dylan for tickets, That's right. folks. All right, because <laughs> he doesn't have any either. Oh man, Dylan, always a pleasure. We really appreciate you joining us. Let everybody know how they can uh, follow you on social media. Yeah, my Instagram is the uh, Dylan Cardwell. My Twitter is Dylan Up Next with two underscores. All right, Dylan. Thanks again. Best of luck. This Sunday against the Trojans, and congratulations again on, on, on joining the uh, jo- joining the club of Auburn graduates. A, a big accomplishment yeah. and, uh, and w- well deserved. Great, great job, Dylan. Thank you. I appreciate it. War Eagle. Take care, Dylan Cardwell. Joining us, Tiger Takes proudly presented by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. We'll get to our final break of the uh, Thursday drive. Still time for you to join us. Come on in.